Thank you for listening to the Paradigm Podcast. Paradigm is a young adult ministry that exists to see lives changed by Jesus. For more information about Paradigm, go to ParadigmKC.com. We hope this message is inspiring and life-changing. Thanks for listening. We're going to be in Acts chapter 3. Uh, you're joining us in a series we have called The Way. And the reason why we've called it The Way is because the book of Acts is about the first church, and people watched these people's lives that were, we call them Christians today. They didn't know what to call it at the time. They just said, the way. I don't know what else to call it other than they are living a life that's so different. We'll just call it the way. Um, if we haven't met, my name is Luke Crabb. I'm so excited that you're here. Before we get going, I wanna share a story with you. Uh, my wife and I, we just bought a house, and few people are excited, and that makes sense, honestly. Because if you haven't bought a house, it is a trip. Like, it's, it's just one of them things you don't know till you know. And, and uh, we know now. So we, uh, it's, it's a process. You got realtors, appraisals. You got like 14 inspections you got to do, this whole thing. It's just a process. Well, we find this house. Actually, before it hits the market, we're able to get it. And we're so excited because it's like, you know, it's It's a nice house. In this market right now, they always say the market's crazy right now, but it actually is crazy right now, for real. And uh, we find this place, I'm super excited. We end up getting it under contract, everything's flowing, we're good to go, we're supposed to close April 1st. We get a call April 1st, and you always know it's not good news when the other person says your name like this. Hey, Luke. What happened? You know, it's like, well, just tell me, shoot, shoot me straight, what's going on? She's like, well, they did the appraisal on the house and uh, the foundation has some issues. I'm like, what is going on? This is a trip. She's like, basically, you're not gonna close on time. Uh, they have to go and do some other stuff. And we thought, you know, for about 36 hours, there's a chance we don't get this house. You know, we have all these plans. We've actually invested into this house. We were big confident we got this place because we bought furniture, we were ready to go, and everything is put on pause because of this foundation. We end up being able to fix the foundation and get into the house, and everything's good to go. And see, with houses, you can throw a little bit of money at it, and it'll be fixed. But tonight, we're not talking about houses, and I share that with you because when it comes to houses, we can always fix it with more money. But in life, you can't just throw money at life and fix it. And maybe you come in here and uh, you just have maybe relationship problems or maybe you struggle with stress, like you just got off work, you've come here and you are stressed and these are the first times that you've sat down and gotten to breathe. That's not normal. Or, or maybe you, know, you just tend to be sad and, and money, it doesn't fix those problems. So tonight, I wanna talk about the biggest problem that we have in life and how God gives us the solution to that problem. The title of this message tonight is called Lame Man Leaping. Lame Man Leaping. Tonight, I'm gonna answer three questions. What's the problem? What's the offer? And then finally, what's the point? We're in Acts chapter three. Reminder from last week, we taught in Acts chapter two. The Holy Spirit comes in Acts chapter two. We have the first uh, sermon Bunch of people come to Christ. This dude, Peter, is about as bold as all get out. Uh, If you haven't read the Bible, just study this dude, Peter. He is a trip, so confident, so bold. 
He shares this message, thousands of people come to Christ, they're kinda just messing everything up, and we drop in here, Acts chapter three. Peter and John, they're walking on their way to this place called the temple, if you don't know what that is, simply that is where Jewish people would go and pray three times a day, they're going at 3 p.m. On their way in, uh, the Bible tells us that there's another character here, his name is the lame man or the lame beggar in some translations. This lame beggar, every single day, the Bible tells us that he is dropped off at this place called the beautiful gate. That may not mean anything to you, but to kind of bring this to to your mind's eye, this gate is 75 feet tall, okay? It's made of bronze. This thing is huge. If you leave tonight, turn around, look at our building. Our building's about 60 feet tall. So this is a massive temple gate that he's getting dropped off at every day. This lame man knows what he's doing. We know this because uh, Jewish belief system is that you have to do certain things and, and they will try to impress God. So he's being laid there to ask for money. So people are giving his, his, this guy money to try and earn favor with God. But we know that God isn't impressed by these things. So as Peter and John are about to walk in, they see this lame man, and this is where it gets interesting. Acts three, verse three, this is what it says. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms, and that's money. Verse four, and Peter, here's Peter being bold, and Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. This dude, Peter, is something else. Uh, Imagine we go down uh, to Westport. What's that place called? Camp Six, they're like, they have like a community down there and there's panhandlers down there. And let's say we go down there. If you don't have money, you look the other way. We're about to find out. Peter doesn't even have money and he says, look at me. He says, look at us. This dude is so confident and I just love this. But point number one is what's the problem? What's the problem? And I'm asking you this because this lame man in the text, his problem is obvious. But all of us have come in here tonight with a problem. And, and we read this story and we think we have nothing in common with this lame man. But here's a guy who shows up to a church and he has problems. And he shows up to the same place every day, getting the same result. And this is in here, this story, God put this story in the Bible to show us one thing how much we need Christ. And and maybe you don't have a physical issue, but we all have a spiritual issue. And you may come in here and you disagree with the statement I just made about that, but I'm thankful you're here. I want you to know that. I just want you to kind of think about the things I'm about to say right now. Like you may say you don't have a, a spiritual problem, but you always find yourself getting angry at people. And maybe anger isn't your thing, but maybe it's, you tend to be really anxious and, and maybe it's not anxiety or anger, maybe it's just boys. Maybe you keep running back to that boy, even though you know he's bad and you know you don't wanna do it, but you just keep doing it. Maybe it's a girl. Maybe you keep looking at pornography, even though you don't wanna look at it. We keep doing it. Why is that? This is a sign of our spiritual lameness. And in me, personally, I get it. Look, I I have a lameness within me. And I can call it what I want, but at the end of the day, I struggle with pride. I think 
that I can do it on my own and I know better, not just better than people, but at times I think I know better than God. That is my spiritual lameness. And maybe you're in here and you would say, I'm not lame, I'm not broken. But then you start to think about it and you're like, I'm doing a job right now that I don't even like. And I, I work this job, I complain about the job, and I think that really why I'm upset is the job. But then I think about my last job and it was the same thing then. And I'm just trying to get to Friday so I can go out to the bar and then drink and just kind of play the field, maybe hook up with a guy, hook up with a girl, whatever happens, happens. See, we don't think we have a problem because we run to something thinking it will fix our problem and really we're just medicating and stuffing down that problem for as long as we can. But what about you? What is it that you run to to solve your problems? See, we have a tendency to try and solve spiritual problems with physical solutions. And I don't know what your thing is, your spiritual problem, but for me, this is the way that I stuff things. Like if I have an issue, I'll start to work really hard because I can control that, right? Like I can get up early and I can stay up late and I'll outwork you. And I think that if I just control enough, it will fix this spiritual problem inside of me and it won't. See, we are all spiritually lame. I think about it like this. Uh, with this house, the first night that I walk in, uh, you know, there's things to do, uh, a lot of things to do at this house. So if you wanna see a guy confident, get him a power tool. I got my first power tool. It's a DeWalt or a DeWalt. It's the yellow one. So I walk in there and, I, and I'm like, there's so much to do, y'all. I got stories about this house. Uh, so I'm walking in with this power tool. I'm like, babe, you need anything back there? I'm ready. Like, the house doesn't need stuff like this. It's like blinds and stuff. Anyway, uh, and then I look at the stove, and I pull the stove out, and I'm like, honey, did we get a gas stove? She's like, no, it should be electric. I'm like, it, it's gas. That, that ain't right. So then I go downstairs. I'm like, all right, what am I doing? I'm YouTube, and I'm looking at stuff, and I'm like, huh. I call a buddy, he's like, bro, you should be able to do that easy, no problem, just run that gas line. I Google something, you gotta have a license to run a gas line, that is a terrible idea, do not run a gas line in your house. <laughs> and this is the thing, I had to admit this, right? Like, I needed help. If I tried to fix that, this is what would happen. Somebody lights a match in my house, that mug blows up. <laughs> and until we realize this, until you admit this, come on, until you admit this, that I can't do this, we will never get the help that we need. See, a blown up house we can fix with some money, but a blown up life, I only know one person that can fix that, his name's Jesus. See, money can fix a house. There's only one person I know that can fix a life. See, I have this tendency that I can fix my marriage. I got this, that I can fix my lack of leadership every single day, I have to admit this, I can't do this. Before I came out here, honestly, I can't do this. And until we admit that, we are gonna continue to struggle and stuff and think that we can fix problems and we can't. And I don't care if you were literally born in a church, I'm not, not talking about grew up in the church, born in the church, the equalizer in the room tonight, 
We are all born lame, spiritual beggars. See, when we forget that we are the lame beggar in this story, because you can read this story and you can think, I'm Peter. We're the lame beggar. And whenever you forget you're the lame beggar, you have misunderstood the gospel. See, lameness is this. Someone else has to do for you what you can't do yourself. And we can dismiss these things that I've talked about. And and we can say that we aren't born lame, but eventually that truth will come out. And until we realize the weight of I cannot do this, we'll never understand what Jesus has done for us. And Peter, this is the thing about Peter, he understood he was the lame beggar. He never forgot that. So back in the text, remember, Peter and the beggar, they're making eye contact. This man's laying at this massive gate and he's thinking about getting paid. He's trying to get some alms. Verse six, this is what Peter says to him. I have no silver and gold. This guy's like, what? Then keep it moving. I got other people to tend to here, man. But he goes on, he says, but what I do have, this is Peter, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Verse seven says, and he took him by the right hand and he raised him up. Notice this, Peter, he doesn't just say, rise up. Well, get up. That's not what's happening. Peter says, get up, and he picks him up, and this dude walks. And you can imagine, this dude, we know from the next chapter, this guy's 40 years old. For four decades, this guy's been lame. This is a miracle. He starts walking. This is a miracle right here in the text. And you can imagine, everyone who knew this dude, who comes here every single day to ask for money, that something was just offered to him that he took and it healed him. So point number two is what's the offer? What's the offer? Because Peter, he's offering the lame man something other than what he actually realized he needs. And this lame man, he's just been healed. A man who was lame from birth is now walking. So what's going on here? Let me address this real quickly. Does God still heal people? Yes, God still heals people. There's no doubt that this is a miracle. That's why it's in the Bible, right? That's why this is in the Bible. Isaiah 35, verse six. This, is, this book was written 600 years before this happened. And it's almost verbatim for what Luke, the author of this book, puts. He says, then shall the lame man leap like a deer. So Luke, he writes this saying that this has fulfilled a prophecy, a prophecy is something that was foretold before it happened. So you better believe that God desires to heal people. But more than physical healing, this is what God desires. He desires spiritual healing in your life. Have you ever been offered something that you turned down in the moment, but then looking back on it, you're like, man, I wish I would've, I wish I would've taken that. Why do I share that? What if this lame guy who's laying there, he would've just smacked their hand away. He's like, nah, I don't need that. Get that out of here, I'm trying to get some cash. Like he would've turned down something that was so good, better than he could've ever imagined, and tonight, the offer is far greater than you realize and closer than you could imagine. 
See, at this house, we're building uh, a fence. Telling y'all I got stories about this house. We're building this fence, and uh, that ain't an easy job. So I have to rip out the old fence, right? And uh, this fence is out there. It's like somewhat in there good. So the post, they're cemented in, right? I got this buddy. He's kind of country, which I love him for that because he always got the tools I need. And he shows up, and he's like, I got a tractor. I was like, imagine this. I just say, hold on. Stay there. And I'm just trying to, it would take me 15 hours to get this stuff out. And he's just standing there like, bro, I, I I brought the tractor. What are you doing? Like, how crazy would it be if I never asked him to use the tractor that he brought? Like, how crazy would it have been if I had all of that power at my disposal and I rejected it. And this is a picture of us rejecting the offer that God is extending to you tonight. See, it would be like if this man slapped Peter's hand away and he said, I don't need that. I don't want your Jesus, I want your money. And maybe you come in here and and you wouldn't say it like that. You wouldn't say, "I I don't want Jesus, I want money. But if you were being honest, that job, it may have you handcuffed. And this is the first time you've found margin in your schedule to come to something that will help you spiritually. And this is what I ask, that tonight you wouldn't smack the offer away because of your past, because you think that you're not good enough, that you wouldn't smack it away because someone's hurt you because of a place like this, that you you grew up in a church and maybe you got hurt that you wouldn't smack the offer away because you think that other thing will satisfy you, whatever it is. Maybe it's fame, maybe it's that boy, maybe it's that girl. See, in this passage, notice Peter, he doesn't even give this beggar what he wants. And I think as people, we have this tendency to think that churches and the way in Christianity is about just being a good person, okay? We think that it's really just about cleaning up our act and coming to a place like this and walking in and having our Bible, and that's not it. See, being a Christian and following Jesus isn't just about being a good person. What does it mean, the way? Like, what do we do? We follow Christ. What does that even mean? Jesus says it clearly. Luke nineteen ten. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Above everything else, Jesus is saying, this is why I came, to seek and to save the lost. Christianity, it's not about world peace. That's a good thing. It's not gonna happen, though. The Bible makes it clear that's not how this thing will end. It's not about solving world hunger. Christianity is not about being a good person. It isn't about just feeding the poor. It isn't just about building houses. These things, they're all good things. The primary goal of Christianity is partnering with God to seek and to save the lost. And far too many people think that money is gonna solve their problems, and it won't. We will never feed all of the poor people. Should we try? Yes. Look, we will not build enough houses to get rid of homelessness. Like, we will not be able to bring world peace. All of these things are good things, but apart from sharing the gospel, it is vanity. Like what if Peter and John, they would have given this man exactly what he thought he needed. 
They would have gave him some money. Maybe they even pick him up, take him back to their house. And they say, hey, we got a place for you. We lay you down and you're good. All of those things would not matter if they did not share Christ because Peter gave all that he had. Why? Because he loved him enough to not just throw him some silver and gold. Verse seven, let me remind you what it says. Verse seven, and he took him by the right hand and raised him up. This dude didn't just walk by, say some stuff, and then keep it moving. He grabs him by his right hand, picks him up, and he says, we're walking, let's go. Peter, the guy who just preached a sermon in the last chapter, 3,000 people came to Christ. That's this whole auditorium coming to Christ. Can you imagine how big of a deal this guy would be, but he's got time for this one lame beggar. Why? Because Jesus had the heart for the one lame beggar. And you may not have time for everybody, but I promise you this, you have time for somebody. You don't have time for everybody, but you have time for somebody. And Jesus, this is what he does. Why is he coming after this lame beggar? Why is he sending Peter? Because Jesus, this is what he does. And if you're in here and you're like, man, I just don't have a lot going on, read the Bible. These are ordinary people doing extraordinary things. That is the business that Jesus is in. If he had a business card, that's probably what it would say. He's in the business of taking ordinary men and doing extraordinary things. That's what's going on in the Bible. See, Peter and John, ordinary men. The Holy Spirit filled these men. And everybody wants to be like Peter and John, but we just busy, right? We all busy. And we don't wanna be interrupted by anybody. But Peter and John, they had time for the one lame beggar. In this passage, it goes on, and Peter says a pretty interesting phrase here. He says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. It's kind of weird that he would use Nazareth there. He says, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Why does he say this, though? See, if you say someone's name, what you're doing is you're calling on all of the power that is in that name in that moment, and that's what he's doing right here. In the Bible, this is interesting, in the Bible, there's people who call on Jesus' name and nothing happens. Like they will say the same phrase that Peter's saying, but nothing happens. What's the difference? What's different about Peter? It's kinda like this. I got my power tool, right? Confident, confident. Country buddy comes over. Come in here, man, let me show you this. I get the D-walled out. I start cranking this thing. This is a power tool though, what's, what's wrong here? I never pulled the trigger. And what is that a picture of? That is whenever we are not connected to the power source. See, if you're not connected to Christ, it's like trying to accomplish your purpose in life without the power of God. It doesn't work that way. So why is Peter and John, why is it different when they say his name? It's because they're connected to the source of power. And if you wanna live out your purpose, if you wanna live out your purpose, you can't do it apart from the power of Christ. I don't care what Tony Robbins says. Without Christ, you will not fulfill your purpose. I don't care what a motivational speaker says. Christ says you came to seek and to save the lost. This lame man, he's been healed and his response is so fitting. Don't miss this. This man, he leaps up and he praises 
God. The most genuine worship happens by this lame beggar in the temple that day. The most genuine, heartfelt worship is happening by this lame beggar. Lame beggar. Not only did the people see this man's life change, he was healed instantaneously. It happens, boom. They also hear him praising God. And here's the question we have to always ask ourselves. Is my life looking different because of Jesus? Can people look at my life and say, that guy's different, that girl's different? And then not only that, do they hear me talk about Jesus? Do they hear me talk about God? because that's what's happening here. Verse 10, it tells us this, that the people around were filled with wonder and amazement. I'm gonna address this really quickly. There's two people that wanna camp out on this one verse, and they wanna build a theology about this. You have the one camp, okay? They say that this is what God wants to do. He just wants us to wonder at him and amaze, and that's it. Then you have another camp that says God doesn't do this anymore, there's no such thing, God doesn't heal. I would say both of those are wrong. What's going on here is that people are drawn to this wonder, this amazement. They're seeing what's going on and they're like, what's going on? So a crowd has now gathered and they're about to hear Peter preach. And that's where we're gonna drop in, verse 12. Acts 3, 12 says this. But when Peter saw this, he's talking about the group of people, It's a massive group of people watching. He replied to the people, men of Israel, why are you amazed at this? Or why are you staring at us? Why are you staring at us? As though by our own power or godliness, we made him walk. He's saying, look, I wasn't the one who healed this guy. It wasn't my power, it wasn't my godliness. Quit looking at me. And then he's about to explain what's going on. So now Peter is gonna teach What actually just happened? You have to read the whole chapter to understand what's up with this miracle, what's going on, why is this happening? He teaches it right here. Verse 14, he goes on to point to the true power. He says, but you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. What he's talking about there. In the gospel, they run out a murderer and Jesus, okay? And they they say to the crowd, you can pick, who do you want? And they pick the murderer and they end up crucifying Jesus. And he's telling this story to the same crowd that picked the murderer. He goes on, verse 15, and you killed the author of life, talking about Jesus, whom God raised from the dead. To this, we are witnesses, talking about Peter and John. And verse 16, on the basis of faith, This is how he's healed. On the basis of faith in his name, it is the name of Jesus which has strengthened this man whom you see and know. And the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect health in the presence of you all. Notice how it finishes. In the presence of you all. Christianity was never meant to be a private thing. He's saying in the presence of you all, this has happened. Point number three is what's the point? Because Peter He is now teaching to this crowd. He is preaching to this crowd the point of the miracle. And and he's explaining by whose power did this man receive healing? See, the crowd, and I would fall into this at times, I'm so concerned with this miracle, this man, that I actually miss what the passage is all about. And Peter's having to clarify what just happened. See, the sign is pointing 
to the power of Christ. That's what's going on. See, when I was in college, I played baseball in college, and I was a pitcher, so it's a confusing game. I'll do my best here. If you're a pitcher and you stand on the mound, the catcher gives you signs. This is fastball. Fastball goes straight. This is curveball or slider. Those don't go straight. They're gonna go like this. So I'm looking at my signs. It's a night game, and he goes like this. I'm like, okay, and I think it's this. So I throw fastball. He goes like this, and I break his wrist. This guy did not like me anymore (laughs) because I thought that I was seeing fastball throw straight and he thought this was coming, so he goes like this, breaks his wrist. And this is a picture of Jesus giving us all a sign tonight that he's trying to point to himself. And the reason why I couldn't see this catcher's sign, your brother's got bad eyes. I was basically blind at the time. (laughs) And I was faking it. I was like, yep, that's... Sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> confident, man, so confident. But I want you to know this. This isn't a place where you need to fake it. You don't need to fake it and say, yes, I know the answers, I grew up around this. You don't need to fake it. Be honest, tonight, in that chair, this is a real thing that I'm talking about. Do you know Christ personally? A relationship with the author of life, as Peter would say. Maybe you've come here tonight and you're sitting with someone who you've literally watched this Jesus of Nazareth change their life. And I just want you to know this, that I believe that God, he uses people as a signpost to point to himself. And he's using that person that you know, maybe they're not here, maybe you saw them on social media and you're like, I'm gonna check out this God thing. Or maybe you just know that one neighbor, whatever it is, that is a signpost to point you to Christ. The power that changes men is alive today. God uses people. In John 9, 25, this is one of my favorite verses because it's so simple and it's so true. This is Jesus' ministry. This is when he was walking the earth. He heals a guy. This guy gets up. And the Jewish people, they don't like that because this Jesus fella, he's messing everything up. So they bring this guy who gets healed in front of him and he asks him, who is this guy? Who's this Jesus fella? And this is what he says. He answered, whether he's a sinner, I do not know. But one thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. His brother did not go to school for this. This is all he knows. This Jesus guy, he changed my life. And I see this time and time again in this place. This isn't some ancient book that isn't alive today. I met this guy named Jackson a few years ago. Jackson, to be honest with you, spiritually he was lame. But then guess what? In steps Jesus. Jackson's in a fraternity at the time. I just say to Jackson, I'm like, hey man, why don't you like, see if we could do a Bible study at the frat house? He's like, nah, bro, those dudes ain't trying to do all that. Like, that's, these dudes are drinking and it's just wild. I don't think that would do well. I was like, just do it. He's like, all right. So he shoots a text. Uh, I show up to this Bible study. We roll in there. And they knew what I did for a living at the time. So it was kind of funny as I'm like walking through the living room. They're like, that's the pastor guy. They're like whispering, is that the pastor guy? I'm like walking in there. We sit down and the room is full. Like there was like 10, 12 guys in this room. I'm like, this is wild. And it hits me, I'm like, why are you guys here? I ask them that. I'm like, you guys could be doing whatever you want, but why are you here tonight? 
They're like, oh, I don't know. Almost unanimously, this was the answer. I don't know, but this Jackson guy, he's just different now. Like, he used to be this one way, and now he's completely different. And Jackson's just sitting there, and he's like, yeah, so Jesus just changed my life. And he's kind of figuring this thing out. And it's awesome. And this is what it was. It was a signpost that points to Christ changing people today. This isn't an ancient book that's dead. This thing's alive, it's active, it's sharper than any double-edged sword, and it will still cut a man up and change his life in a good way. The offer tonight is greater than you could ever imagine, and it's closer than you could ever, ever imagine. Because life change is a signpost that points to Christ. There's this girl in our ministry a few months back. Her name's Ashley. She, uh, she made a decision to follow Christ. She was going through just some things in her life personally that were just causing her, her relationships to be off, and she makes a decision to step in a relationship with Christ, go all in. She didn't know all the answers, but this is what she did. She just started following Jesus, one step at a time. What is this? They look at her, and they're like, there's something different, and it's the way that she's living. And people are coming to Christ because of Ashley's life, because they look at her, and they're like, something's different. Girls who don't even reach out to her, they have just seen her, and they know the way that she's living is far different than the lifestyle she used to live, and they're coming to Christ. And then they reach out to Ashley afterwards, and they're like, hey, I just want you to know that you've really impacted me. I was watching you from afar, and I've made a decision to follow Christ. This is what Jesus does. He takes ordinary people, and he does extraordinary things, and Jesus changes lives. And then he points to himself, and it's his flex, and he loves doing it. That's how he reached me. Lost, lost is all get out, spiritually lame. I didn't even believe in a God. But then I'm dating this girl, I've known her for seven years, and God just changes this girl's life. And at first I'm like, this is sketchy, I don't know what this is. And then I start to look into it and I'm like, so what'd you say about this Jesus guy? What's he doing? So I just start reading the Bible, start reading the Bible. After about six months of reading the Bible, I end up coming to Christ. Why? Because this book isn't dead, it's alive. And God, he's trying to get your attention tonight and call us to himself. And way more than you could ever imagine or I can even imagine. God loves us more than you can imagine. How do I know this to be true? Think about this. Understand what's going on in this passage. The Bible tells us that God is three in one. What does that mean? that Jesus was fully God and fully man. So God has sent Peter to preach a message to the people that murdered Jesus. And you wanna tell me that God isn't good. It's the same question that was asked in the garden at the very beginning, is God good? You better believe he's good. He loves you more than you could ever imagine. Imagine me getting murdered by you guys and I'm like, I'm not mad at him, I'll do whatever it takes. That is far beyond human nature. This man was not just a man, he was God. And God sent Peter to preach this message. The world distorts who God truly is. The world tells you that God isn't good and that is so far from the truth. Jesus, he wasn't just a teacher. He wasn't just a prophet. He wasn't just a good person. Jesus was God. He lived 33 years of perfection. You and me, we can't go 33 seconds without sinning. 
The human story is this. Adam after Adam after Adam after Eve turning their back on God. God, he's slow to anger. He's abounding in love. So what kind of God would let us turn our back on him so much, he loves you so much that he created you. He created us and we rebel against him. So to fix the problem, instead of getting angry at us, what does he do? He comes in the form of a man and he's murdered by us. We killed Jesus. He loves us far more than you could ever imagine. And this death on the cross is what flips the bill for our sins. See, he lives perfectly, he dies purposefully, and three days later, he rises from the grave powerfully. He was God in the flesh. You know the guy who picks a fight with death and wins the fight. You might wanna be on that guy's team. And that's exactly what Jesus did. That's why we celebrate Easter. The resurrection is the blue check mark that says that Jesus isn't just a man, he was God. And that's exactly what Peter's saying in this message. He's the undisputed champion of the universe and he's coming after us tonight. And don't you smack his hand away. And we really think that a God who defeated death can't fix our bitter heart He can't fix my pride. He can't fix my anxiety. He doesn't know about my father wound. He doesn't know what I've been through. He doesn't know about my anger. He can't fix me. That's a lie. The brother defeated death. He can defeat anything. The greatest enemy we face, he defeated. So don't tell me that he can't handle your issues. See, there's only one name with this kind of power that Peter can call on. And he's telling the people who actually killed Jesus, the people who did it, that they didn't just kill a man, they killed God. And just like Chad said last week, we can look at Jesus' death on the cross and say that we didn't do that, but the reality is we did that. He was paying for my sin and your sin. And you know his last words when he hung there? He said, it is finished. What's finished? I've paid for their sins. Peter, he finishes with what to do because he's preaching to these people. These people are believing that this guy is God. We've missed the mark. We've messed up. What do we do? Verse 19, this is what he says. He says, this is the response to what you've done. He says, repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. This word repent, this is what Peter means by this. Tonight, repentance, it has come in the form of a hand. Repentance is you laying there, spiritually lame, and God loves you enough to not leave you there and extend you a hand. Like maybe you've come in here and you had no clue what you were walking into, but this is the reality. That Jesus, he came, lived 33 33 years perfectly, His death on the cross pays for your sins. You spend eternity with you, and this is the great news. That brother's coming back. He's coming back to redeem all things. There will be no more lameness, but this is the thing, you gotta take the hand. You have to take the hand. 
And what is repentance? You would grab this hand and you would walk with Jesus wherever he would lead you. That's what it means to repent. That you would walk in the direction, whatever that means. And tonight is the night for some of you, you need to draw a line in the sand and quit playing games. This isn't a fun place to just come and just like hang out and do this half Christianity thing. There's no such thing as a half Christian. You take the hand of Jesus and you walk with him. And maybe you're not ready, but I would say this, lean into whatever it is that he has you to do. But some of you need to take the hand of Jesus tonight and repent and follow him wherever he would call you to go. That's what it means to follow Jesus. Let me remind you before I wrap up, in summary, what's the problem? This is it, we're lame. We are spiritually lame. What's the offer? It's Christ. The offer is Christ. And what's the point? This is the point. Jesus is the only one that can fix our spiritual lameness. Let me remind you what the lame man does. Acts three, verse eight, this is what it says. It says, walking and leaping and praising God. After this man's healed, this is his response. Walking and leaping and praising God. What does that mean? Look, I didn't grow up doing this church thing, so maybe that's you too. We're about to sing a song right now. And I remember the first time I started coming to church, I didn't know. I thought it was like a concert. You just kind of stood there and like, you kind of did your own thing and like, I didn't know. Let me remind you of what's about to happen. There's gonna be words on these screens. Those words, when you see those words, know that you are about to sing words to the God who loved you enough that he created you. We disobey, so he comes, he's murdered for you, and he's still pursuing you today. That's who you're singing to. So you better believe that when this lame man is leaping and praising God, that looks a little bit different. And maybe it's not a hand raise. Maybe that's not you. Maybe you're not here. I don't know what your thing is. Worship happens here because Jesus, when he changes a heart, you can't deny whenever you see it. See, when these words show up on the screens, think about this. What is it? What is it in my life that's causing me to be spiritually lame? And be reminded, the one that you are singing to, he gives you the proper answer, response, and anecdote to what you need. Let me pray that we would give this God the praise that he deserves. Father, thank you for who you are. I thank you that you're a good God, that you didn't leave us where we were, that you didn't leave us laying at the gate, that you came, you lived a perfect life, and in your perfect life, you modeled for us the way. And not just the way, you literally died for us. This actually happened. You're pursuing us today. Father, I pray that you would give my friends in here the boldness to take the hand, and that tonight would be the night that they go all in that they would be marked by a clear signpost that points to you. Father, I pray that people in this room would glorify you with their lives. In Christ's name I pray, amen.